What a tremendous privilege it is to share with you once again the glorious gospel, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Today we will embark upon the third message in the present series entitled Thrive. It is no exaggeration to say that in a lot of ways this world that we're living in is getting tougher and tougher all the time. And to be honest with you, God wants us to do more than merely survive. He wants us to thrive. So if at first you don't survive, then you'll never, ever thrive. You see, the first thing is you've got to get the first thing first. And so I started this series by presenting a clear two-part reminder of what it means to have and know the absolute assurance of your grace-soaked salvation. Now, with this amazing foundation pinned down, I want to lay a challenge out for you, my friends, to, to be poised to thrive by thriving in the Spirit. And with that, let's read those great words from Acts chapter 2, reading verses 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And now if you would just slip down to verses 37, 38, and 39 of that same Acts chapter 2. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. At this juncture, let's just pause for a moment of prayer and ask God to visit us with his power. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of your word. Thank you for our wonderful salvation through Jesus Christ. Thank you that we are able today to share in the great truths that you lay out before us. I pray now that your Holy Spirit, the one of whom we will speak, will guide us and direct us and, and, and Lord, will purify our thought process so that we might receive everything that you have for us today. And we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. As we move into this topic, allow me to share with you a quote or two from Pastor A.W. Tozer, one of the most powerful preachers and prolific writers who ever lived. He said, quote, We may be sure of one thing, that for our deep trouble there is no cure, apart from a visitation, yes, an invasion of power from above. Only the Spirit himself can show us what is wrong with us, and only the Spirit can prescribe the cure. Only the Spirit 
can save us from the numbing unreality of spiritless Christianity. Only the Spirit can show us the Father and the Son. Only the inworking of the Spirit's power can discover to us the solemn majesty and the heart-ravishing mystery of the triune God. End of quote. And to all of that, I say a hearty amen. Tozer also is known for making this statement many, many years ago. Quote, if the Holy Spirit were taken away from the first century New Testament church, 90% of what they did would come to a halt. But if the Holy Spirit were taken away from today's church, and again, he said this many, many decades ago, only about 10% of what it does would cease. End quote. Well, what do you think it took for those in the early church to really thrive? They had no educational skills or background. They had no political clout. They had no radio, no television, no internet, no uh, iPhones or smartphones or any other kind of phones. Can Can you just imagine even? In fact... Only a few weeks before the events of Acts chapter 2, pretty well all of them forsook the Lord in his hour of greatest need. Yes, the crucifixion. But before all was said and done, nearly all of what was then known of Western civilization, shall we call it, was Christianized. Well, how did that happen? How did they thrive? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I tell you, and I challenge you, if Faith Community Fellowship is going to resist the devices of Satan, reclaim lost territory, and fulfill God-given vision and its purpose, then we're going to need also that invasion from heaven. Not only as a church collectively, but also each of us individually. We cannot hope to thrive without the Holy Spirit. So as a believer, as a parent, as a grandparent, as a person who lives in the ebb and flow of life, you and I, my friend, must embrace, we must encounter, and we must engage the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. Yes, it is vitally important that we have the reality of the Holy Spirit working in our lives if we're going to thrive. Let me give you some simple considerations of the Holy Spirit. First, the person of the Holy Spirit. I want you to know unequivocally that we believe and teach that the Holy Spirit is not a force not an it, not a feeling, and not a goose pimple. The Holy Spirit is a person. How do we know for sure? Well, for one, over and over and over again, Jesus called the Holy Spirit He. Let me show you. In John 16, verses 7 and 8, We read these words. 
But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. And unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. Again, that's John 16, verses 17 and 18, and now verses 13 and 14. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. That's pretty clear language. And then Peter, in that fearsome situation where Ananias and his wife Sapphira lied about their offerings, Peter said this in Acts 5, verses 3 and 4. Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? And what made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. Those are very serious words. And then Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14, we read these words. How much more then, with the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death, so that we may serve the living God. So Hebrews 9.14 speaks of the eternal spirit. You see, we believe in the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You might say, well, I've always kind of struggled with that, and Pastor Bob, I, I, can't, I can't understand the Trinity And I reply, would you really want to serve a God that you fully understood and could thoroughly explain, and then would that really be God? Personally, I can't adequately explain the person of the Holy Spirit either, but I can explain this to you with certainty, that without the person of the Holy Spirit, we cannot and we will not thrive nor survive. Now, secondly, the power of the Holy Spirit. Certainly, the Holy Spirit is many things to each of us and to this church as a body. He is all-sufficient for comfort. Jesus called him the Comforter. And in these uncertain and upside-down times, don't we need comfort? And that word comforter really has two meanings if you want to look at original languages. First, it means helper, and secondly, it means lawyer or advocate. Now, you've probably heard of maybe legal trials where one or the other of the litigants has put together a dream team 
Well, I have a dream team too. You see, Jesus is my advocate, but I also have the comforter. One is my advocate or lawyer in heaven, and one represents me here on earth. Talk about a dream team. Then the Holy Spirit is all sufficient for crisis. And you would ask, well, how is he helpful in time of crisis? And this is something people may not really have given much thought to. One way is through the avenue of prayer. Listen, if you will, to Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 7. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. I love those words, in accordance with the will of God. And then another way uh, that uh, he's all sufficient in crisis is through the very word of God itself. Because that's what it said back in John 16, 13 that we read earlier. Another way he helps is giving you the words to say when you need them. Yeah, you ever been in that situation? Has that ever happened to you? Thinking you're going to have to say something, either in your own defense or defense of the gospel or defense of your spiritual life or whatever it might be, and you're there and you're almost as if you're tongue-tied, and then we read these words in Matthew 10, 19 and 20, and you might want to mark these words in your margin or in your notes. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Don't you love those words? So he's all-sufficient in comfort, he's all-sufficient in crisis, and he's all-sufficient for conquest. I, I just wonder at times, I really do, how will the church prevail? And even as I think of perilous times, even much worse than we know today or have ever experienced, how is that going to happen? How? You see, if we trust in personalities, well, we'll get what people can do. If we trust in property, we'll get what buildings can do. And if we trust in prosperity, we'll get what money can do. But, but, but if we trust in the work of the Holy Spirit, we'll get only what God can do. Not only did I want to share with you the person and the power, but oh, how we need instruction in, thirdly, the promise of the Holy Spirit. Remember Acts 2, 39? It said that the promise is unto you and to your children. A well-meaning man asked me one day, he said, did you get all of the Holy Spirit when you got saved? And I answered, I got all of the Holy Spirit 
that I could get. I mean all of the Holy Spirit needed at the moment of my salvation. After a pause, I said to my friend, now, I, I want to ask you a question. He said, yeah, what is it? I said, when you were saved, did the Holy Spirit get all of you? My fellow Jesus follower, let me say this. Beyond your conversion, there is something called daily living. So yes, we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit at the time of our new birth, but we need to be filled and filled and filled many times over. Ephesians chapter 5, Paul is writing here, and he says in verse 18, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Yeah, in the original, that reads, be always being filled. It's a continual action. It's not something that happened or did happen or we thought happened, but something that is happening, and it's happening over and over in your life. I hope, I presume, I wish, I pray. It's not something that happened in 1959 or 19, was it 73 or 74, but it's happening in 2020, it's happening in 2021, 2022, 2023, and ad infinitum. This is a continual filling, one indwelling and many infillings. I've often used the illustration of the water glass, just a simple tumbler, and I would pour water into it and say, now the water coming in, of course, is your time of salvation, and that's the Holy Spirit coming to you as the agent of salvation, and, and that could be right up to the top. It could be over the top. And after time, you might look at it again, and it might be down to the two-third level or half level or who knows where, maybe almost not even seen. And then we, we pour water into that glass again, and it rises. And we pour it in, and it rises. And we pour more in, and it rises. And eventually it comes to the top, and it, and it goes over the top. And, and the psalmist talked about his cup overflowing. And we need to be overflowing Christians, full of the Holy Spirit, with continual filling. For sure we're indwelt at salvation, and that is life-changing. That's never-to-be-forgotten experience. It, it brings great joy, and it brings great blessing, and it brings affirmation by the Holy Spirit. But we have to keep on being led by the Holy Spirit and surrendered to Him moment by moment and day by day. We need to keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, let, let me just give you a down-to-earth illustration. Your, your car won't get you very far on empty. <laughs> and you won't get very far in life either without your fresh infillings of the Spirit of God. <clears throat> My dear wife and I had grandstand seats on Colorado Boulevard in Pasadena, California, for the 2006 Tournament of Roses Parade. And that's a long story, and there are a lot of other side stories that go with that. And I'll share those with you sometime, perhaps. But 
Before I ever went there, I read a story about that parade, which happened many, many years before we were so privileged to be there. They said in that parade, right in the middle of the five-and-a-half-mile route, a very, very large, beautiful float just sputtered and sputtered and finally came to a stop, which meant the entire parade was stopped until someone could bring a container of gas. The sponsor, by the way, of that float just happened to be the Standard Oil Company. Now, you're probably laughing right now. That's, that's, that's a sure, huge irony. Yep, the largest petroleum company on the planet had run out of gas. Be assured, friends, we don't need to run out of the main thing that drives our spiritual engine, and that is the power of the promised Holy Spirit. It was 2003, many of you would remember. President Bush, the younger, was getting ready to begin the invasion of Iraq. The strategy was to show such power with bombs and military might that the morale of the Iraqi army would just simply crater and Saddam Hussein would just simply give up. As you know, that didn't happen. But that display was called shock and awe. I've got to say, I believe it'd be awesome <laughs> to see some spiritual shock and awe as the Holy Spirit moves in our services and in our ministry at Faith Community. And I will say this with a joyful heart. At times lately, there has been such evidence of that sweet, yet powerful spirit at work in the hearts and in the attitudes of the worshipers. Look, look, let's just be honest with each other. Satan doesn't get shocked by eloquent preaching or fancy buildings or harmonious singing or webcasting or seeker-oriented services or anything else that man can generate for that matter. Mark it well. There's only really one thing that upsets disrupts, confuses, troubles, or torments the devil. And that's the person, power, and presence of the Holy Spirit. The precious Holy Spirit wants to move in our midst. He wants to be recognized in our services and in our hearts whenever we're gathered to praise and to honor Jesus. Let's dare, church, to believe like A.W. Tozer said, for an invasion of power from above. So, I'm compelled to ask you, whoever and wherever you may be, do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? If not, he invites you to come to him by faith and to receive his wonderful free gift of eternal salvation. It's yours today. Just say yes to Jesus. And if you know Jesus as your Savior, I rejoice with you. Let me ask you, have you fully yielded to his Holy Spirit to indwell, to fill, and to equip you for a life of service and holiness 
for his kingdom. My dear friends, keep thriving in the Spirit. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that you have sent the Holy Spirit to be our advocate, our go-between, our voice. You have sent him to even utter groanings unto you when we don't know what to say, when we don't know where to turn, when we don't really know what to do. Heavenly Father, we're thankful that he's here. And as we point one another to Jesus and as we lift our praise and our worship and our adoration to Jesus, the Holy Spirit is pleased. May that be the lot of every life, every person under the sound of this voice, and certainly of faith community as a beacon of eternal light in our community. And for all of this, and for the forgiveness of our every sin, with thanksgiving and joy and happiness, we pray all these things in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.